Chance on for Virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a to for fox sake my name is pete selby and alongside me rob hayes rob the um the football world moves pretty quickly doesn't it it does indeed and we've moved on pretty quickly from the last episode saying it's a bit of a mess to this episode probably saying it's a lot of a mess can we start with what you texted me after the brighton game am i allowed yeah yes pete simply texts me he has to go Simple as that. Yes. Are we are we standing by that a few days on now the dust has settled? Yeah, we are. We're talking about the United game and then obviously on to the Brighton game. And at the time of recording, obviously then Tuchel goes from Chelsea and Potter's going to be pretty much announced tomorrow, it seems. And again, the football world moves pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Before that, I, I, there was a lot of... There was a lot of goodwill for Rodgers in the job that he's done and the record that he had at Leicester. And I think that was very validly taken over for the first few games of the season. And and you wanted him to turn it around. Okay, I think everyone did just for the state of the football club, but you wanted him to turn it around, at least I did. Um, but since the last podcast, what, a week and a half ago or so... Um, I no longer believe that he can turn it around. That's the main reason. And then you look at the predicament that the club's in in the league, etc. Then it needs to be done now. So that's <clears throat> that's where I'm coming from. I, I, I've and also looking back on the previous podcast that I said about the fans singing, you know, Rogers out from the away end uh, in the game at uh, in the cup, wasn't it the Stockport game? It was. And and I said, you know, I didn't agree with that. Well, at the time, no, I didn't agree with it. But looking back now, well, they've probably been to every single game, home and away, and seen this, and and obviously ended last season. So I'll probably revise that actually going back, um, to say, yeah, you know, it's I I never really like to hear fans of any club singing about their manager wanting them out, especially when it's been a successful manager, um, but. The Brighton game was just simply a complete disaster from start to finish uh, with the green shoots of some good forward play. But we know this is a good team. We know. We don't need any. We don't need to tell anyone. It's the, the, the Rogers line of it's the same team as it was three and a half, four years ago when I arrived. Yes, it is. So why isn't it playing as well as that or at least in some way, shape or form near that? Um yeah, that's where I'm coming from now. And, and and what's happened at Chelsea may, and we can speculate till the cows come home, and that's what, exactly what we'll do, may start some managerial merry-go-round between a few clubs, we'll see. But from my position right now, I can't see Rodgers turning this around. I didn't like most of the decisions he made and hasn't for the last few games. And ultimately, what this team needs and squad, should I say, what the first team squad at Leicester need 
is to get out of the predicament they're in. That can't happen in the transfer window. They need to use what they've got. And I think the best way for that is it needs, and I think it's glaringly obvious, it needs a fresh pair of eyes on this squad. That's what it needs. It needs someone to come in and go, right, this is my 1-25, to okay? And this is the way I'm going to play, and this is the team I'm going to select. Now, possibly regardless of what they've done at the club before, with some exceptions, obviously, everyone gets a fresh start, a fresh chance, and very, very obviously, the defence needs sorted out because that was a complete mess. And actually, I would go as far as saying in the second half and at very often times of the first half, it was a breakdown of a first eleven playing Premier League football. The team broke down. There was huge gaps. There was no leadership. There was Johnny Evans in the centre looking around going, what's going on? The fullback so high, it was unbelievable. And ultimately, they conceded. I, I, I said, and I have my... My uh, dad is my witness at halftime. We're gonna, we could lose this five two. <laughs> we ended up losing five two. It's um, yeah, uh, that was a breakdown of a first team. I think, and I, I, the last little bit, I think, as we speak right now, he might still go before the game against Villa. I think it was probably fifty fifty at the time whether he'd last until Villa or. Actually, probably siding on the side of he might actually go. So, yeah, it's a shame, but I'm fully in the... It needs changing, and it needs changing now. Thanks, Rogers. And it needs to do it before it gets toxic. It could get very toxic against Villa. It really could, and I won't like that. But it need, it, it needs to... There needs to be a change, and there needs to be a fresh pair of eyes, rather than the, Rogers must go, he's got to go, he's a complete nightmare, he's got to go. He does. He has to change. It has to change. He has to go. But I'm more on that. Right. Let's get someone else in with fresh ideas because this team needs it. This first team squad needs it desperately. Yeah. Long time listeners to the podcast will know that we are, or at least try to be, fairly subjective. We try and keep um, this as an opinion podcast, but also not one that jumps the gun. We're not ones for knee jerk reactions. Pete will have the odd rant. Uh, but generally speaking, we like to sit back, take in the bigger picture uh, and try to be realistic and optimistic in, in equal measure. Uh, but I'm 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 going to join you on the um, Rogers needs to leave the club stance now. And, and I like the way you phrased it there, that it's not a like, kick him out the back door, get rid of him, like make him a scapegoat, that kind of thing. It's it's not. But. There, you're right, there are no other options. For for previous weeks on the podcast, we've been sort of talking about the, the noise around Rogers leaving. Um, and I think we've basically been through every other mitigating factor. Everything else that could have contributed to the current league position, the current uh, sort of squad status, if you like. Um but we're at the point now where the only the only way that I can see that the fortunes could be improved, not even fortunes could be improved, but actually the the entire sort of mentality of the squad could be changed is by bringing in a fresh management and coaching team. I 
I'm a long-time admirer of those clubs that give managers time, give them support, let them build something. Um, and in the grand scheme of football, Rodgers has had plenty of time at Leicester in comparison to lots of other managers at lots of other jobs. Um, I'm not really into the sacking culture. I think football managers get sacked far too quickly. I understand why it's a results business. You've got to make your money from your results. If they're not coming, get a new bloke in. I see it. I totally get it. But Leicester wanted to reshape and restructure the squad this summer. It hasn't happened. And, you know, we don't know the inner workings of the club, so we can't lay blame at any one individual's door. I don't think Rodgers has uh, much to do with the transfers. I don't think many football managers do these days. There's directors of football, heads of recruitment. I know we haven't or we haven't had a head of recruitment for this this transfer window, but Samare should have been gone. Suyuncu should have been gone. They tried to get rid of Vestergaard. Um, there, there are a handful of others that were expecting to move on. Tielemans, for example. Madison probably didn't expect to move on, but still had the sort of transfer noise around him. Now, those players who would... Leicester, under Brendan Rodgers, would have had replacements lined up players to come in straight into the first team squad freshen things up bring a fresh perspective um new faces around the place it always lifts everybody regardless of what workplace you're in it always gives people a bit of a lift yes you want to keep the core squad together but new faces you know just just changes dynamics a little bit usually for the better but he wasn't able to do that the, the financial situation is very clear so the ins and outs of players is not going to change uh Leicester don't look able at the moment to change their own fortunes on the pitch. So the only other change that can possibly be made that could have and should have a positive impact is a new coaching staff. And that means, you know, people like Rogers, Dave, I think Davis would go with Rogers anyway, wouldn't he? And maybe Cola Torre might, might move along with them as well as a little trio. Uh, and just bring somebody in, the right person, obviously. Uh, do I know who the right person is? No, I don't. But it, do, it does need that fresh impetus, doesn't it? And that's the only way to do it. I, uh, the manager becomes the scapegoat, unfortunately. But such is the world of football. Uh, and such are Leicester City's finances at the moment. Plus, we're outside of a transfer window. So even if top went, mm, you know what? We probably should do that squad freshen up. Uh, and I'll take the financial hit. That option is now gone. The, there is only one option for me now. There's so many, so many different ways you can look at this. You can look at it from the transfers. You can look at it from uh, Rogers' reaction on the touchline during games, his substitutions, his um, selection of the first team, his selection of the first team squad, his non-selection of, of players, uh, his uh, interviews after the game, what he said, all in the last two games, by the way, reek of I kind of want to go. And yes, he can stand there going, I'm up for the fight and all that's fine, that's 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 fine. But it's what we see as fans. Um that's it's it's just not good enough at the moment. And again, I Saturday I really worry. If they go in front early, it could really be a bad, bad day. Now, let's let's say let's say we beat Villa and we've got this quite nice run of games coming up as well, and it it turns it around. Great, fine, great, no worries. Um but no, just from our position right now, it needs a change. To play Wilfred and Didi, I remember I was talking earlier uh, on this Liverpool thing and 
uh, when when we were lost in the cup there on penalties and they all got pissy about Madison celebrating in front of the cop when he was 30 yards from goal after that brilliant goal and indeed he got caught underneath a high ball for their injury time uh, equaliser it was um, that that shows you about what how Wilford indeed he plays at centre half he's when it when a centre half and you you as a as an expert centre half Rob you know this but all of a sudden you'll be watching the play it'll be on the halfway line etc etc and the ball will be out wide all of a sudden cross comes in and I said they'll be in a, a great position and they'll head the ball out positional awareness for a centre half is key and and it's built into them from an early age and this if you can coach well they'll be in the right place at the right time and Wilfred Ndidi does not have that in the slightest as a defender. He's tall, he can tackle, he's all for the cause, he's a very good player, but he's not a centre-half. So for him to be playing at centre-half in a Premier League game with a fully fit first-team squad, yes, minus a Wesley Fafana, but a reasonably fully fit squad from what we all know, that is poor. You can't have that in the Premier League. That that's that's ridiculous, really. And we know Soyun Chu at the time of recording he still might go because the Turkish window is the eighth or so tomorrow at the time of recording, I believe. So he might still leave. He might pay for a bit of uh, compensation really for Rogers. But he's there and he's not playing. Apparently in training, not too good, etc. So okay. But it's it's the Vestergaard thing. I, I we know he was going to go and it didn't work out though. But you've got to bring him into the system. You've got to bring... I know it's not worked out very well in games last year. We've talk, spoken about this before. But you can't be playing Wilfred Ndidi there. Because first of all, it means Wilfred Ndidi's not playing in midfield. And he's a very good defensive midfielder. That's... that's It's just poor. And again, what what we need is someone... And again, a change of coaches, change of setup. Behind the scenes as well, um, the, the whole situation last year from from set plays it it just looks like and and if you look back at Rogers' career, is he going to be one of the managers where uh, when the going is good, he's very very good and he can keep the ball rolling very well, great, fantastic, and then when things slightly go amiss, um, he can't really change that. It's happened before with a number of clubs. If so, that's not a bad trait to have, really, to be perfectly honest, because normally the, a manager doesn't last at a club too long for um for, for those for that to happen, really. You know, he's been at Leicester for quite a while now, and when he was at Liverpool, you know, nearly won the league, etc. And then when it goes wrong, didn't quite work out. It's it just needs it. The defense is absolutely all over the place, and bringing in the Yannick Vestergaard might not quite sort out that. Who knows? Um. There has to be a massive question mark over the goalkeeper now because he was all over the place against Brighton. Uh, the old adage, does the goalkeeper then put confidence into a defence and does vice versa if he's all over the place, does that take away from the defence and the confidence of the, that they have and they can be a bit of a... Surely that affects the defence here. I've never seen Johnny Evans look so much at sea. He's got zero confidence in the goalkeeper. The fact that the goalkeeper then argues with Wilfred Ndidi, it wasn't the greatest back pass in the world, but still, he, he doesn't command his area. He's as dodgy under crosses as I would be. It's it's ridiculous. You know, he's not... He, I'm sorry, he's not a first-team goalkeeper for a Premier League side 
Or should, actually, I'll, I'll just rephrase that. He's not Leicester City's number one goalkeeper. He's not the goalkeeper that we need. It's past the transfer window. That's been a bit of a mess. Surely it's time for Everson to be given a chance. I'll just keep on saying that until he is. Um, if that doesn't work out, quite what we do from then on, not a, not really a clue. Um, yeah, it needs to happen. Now, we, we can sit here and go, who would you like as a manager, Rob? Who What what kind of manager, who's out there, etc. Uh, first, of, the one thing I'll say is Rogers to Brighton looks an ideal fit. A team going well, playing similar football to what Rogers would like to play uh, and has done it at his clubs and has done at Leicester. Uh, and he can keep that momentum, for want of a better word, really going at, at Brighton. That I can really see happening, or maybe a Cooper. So, so, what do we need? Well, we need someone to come in and put out some pretty big fires at the moment. That defence just needs completely dismantling. And, and in fact, all I all ideas at Leicester, this is as far as I'll go, every idea of the way Leicester play football, whether it's the defence, the midfield, moving forward, the attack... Um, it's pretty much broken down, hasn't it? You look at highlights of goals over Rodgers' tenure and we don't play like that anymore. There was there was parts at the start of the season, only a few games ago, where, where we did. But it, it doesn't happen like that anymore. And the playing staff are pretty much exactly the same. So is it time for a complete rework? Because if you go back to, say, Ranieri, that was a completely different way of playing football. And... I'm not saying you have to go back to exactly that, but I it just needs a complete refresh, and uh, and that's kind of the angle I'm going with with who I would like to come in. I don't think Brendan Rodgers has got the balls to make big big decisions. I think he is quite rigid in in the overall style that he wants to play. I'm not necessarily saying formation because we've seen quite a few different ones employed even this season haven't we with him trying to fit players in to certain systems but you're absolutely right I haven't looked at one single team sheet that he's picked this season and gone yeah I agree with all of them now he's not there to make me agree with him but I know I'm not alone in my opinion of that and I would like to say my opinion has been proved right by the fact that the results have been terrible and the performances have been largely terrible I watched the United game uh, in full and it was right down there towards the bottom of the list of Premier League football matches it was not a great watch it was it was a bit of a battle I don't think Leicester did that badly and all, all things considered one mistake one positional mistake by Sumare who I'll come on to in a moment um led to Manchester United scoring the goal. That could quite conceivably have been a very forgettable nil-nil, but a point on the board. It wasn't. Brighton, another one where we're in the game. Uh, this time, you know, you're level. I think back to the Arsenal game where we kept getting ourselves within a goal of them and and, and losing that momentum or conceding another daft one to, to be out of touch of the game again. It's... In patches, it's, it's, it's the old Leicester, but it, it's very, very, very patchy, isn't it? I would agree with everything that you've said about Ndidi. 
I wouldn't call myself an expert centre half, but I have played there at amateur level for pretty much my entire adult life. Um, and yeah, positioning is the big one because if your awareness and defensive positioning is is on point, then you can cover up other elements that you might be missing. Look, uh, do, do you know what he does? Do you know what Ndidi is? Ndidi, when he plays at centre half, he looks like a midfielder playing at centre half. He doesn't. If you were, if you didn't know anything about Leicester, but you watched, you knew football, and then you watched Leicester play, you'd be looking at him. Going, is he a is he is he a defender? He looks like a midfielder playing at centre half, rather than the seamless kind of going back into that position. He he looks at C, even when. In games, he's been fairly competent there. He still looks very awkward. Yeah, he does, and and he has been competent at at times because he's what six foot two, six foot three. He 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 is. I mean, apart from giving away the penalty against Brighton, he is one of the best tacklers in the team. Two big attributes that you that you need at centre back. He wins he wins things in the air, so he's got all of those attributes in isolation. But you've got to put them together with knowing how to play the position. Uh, I would love to know how much work went in on the training ground with Ndidi at centre back before that those starting lineups were picked with him there. I can understand why Rogers rolled the dice a little bit and and tried tucking him in there because he obviously has got no time whatsoever for Suyuncu. Uh Amati has, um, you know, he's he's shown up pretty much every single one of his flaws in 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 previous games this season. Vestergaard, we know, is completely out in the cold. Uh, and there was a, a bit of uh, a farce with Farce's visa. Um, there you go. You're welcome. Uh, so I can understand why he felt at, ta- at the time the need to put him in there. But it, it is a bit of desperation, really, isn't it? I'm not going to touch any more on that because I think you covered it very nicely. But if you move forward a little bit and you've got a defence that is struggling massively to stop leaking goals... And you put your defensive midfielder in at centre back. You have got to play somebody in the centre of midfield that has got even the remotest idea of how to protect a back four. I think um, when Papi Mendy came to the club, everyone thought he was going to be the the holding midfield and Golo Kante. Um, he, he proved with, with Senegal that he's actually got a bit more to him than that. But the guy is in his late twenties in the prime of his career, still off the back of getting in the team of the tournament for the African Cup of Nations. If Ndidi is not in that midfield and you are being carved apart, carved open all over the pitch, you've got to play Mendy in central midfield. I know it restricts him a little bit, but you've got to put him in the middle of a midfield three at the base of it and you've got to say, look after your defence, puppy. You've also got to say to your fullbacks, stay in, tuck yourselves in a little bit. Let's just stop ourselves getting scored past and and build forward from there. It is a little bit like the Ranieri way, the 1-0 wins. My goodness me, would a Leicester City fan take a 1-0 win at the moment? It's, it's like he is rigidly sticking to the, I'm going to push the fullbacks high or invert one of the fullbacks. We're going to keep playing this sideways backwards destructive game we're going to keep trying to use our goalkeeper's feet even though he can't kick a football it's it's stubbornness really isn't it and it's not you know he's not been willing to change things up and and go 
more direct. Look, you've got the pace of Dakar in behind. How did he score his goal against Brighton? With the simplest of balls over the top, played by a player who is one of the best Leicester City midfielders ever to play forward passes in Yuri Tielemans. He's got other areas of his game that I'm not such a big fan of, but to see and play a forward pass, he's one of the best that I've ever seen in a Leicester shirt. Madison, one of the best forward passes I've ever seen in a Leicester shirt. Get the ball, even if you have to bypass them. Johnny Evans is an unbelievable diagonal long ball player, right? If you play with wingers, he's got outlets. If you play with fast strikers, strikers, plural, he's got even, if he's under pressure, he can spin one into the channel and Vardy and Dakar can at least put a defender under pressure. Ian Acho's getting better and better with the with his back to goal in terms of holding up the ball. So even if you need to go direct, slightly lower along the ground into feet, fine. you've got the options there. But the, the refusal to use them, the refusal to change the approach is really the frustration. Samare, right? I've said this on the podcast before. Similar to Ndidi, he's got a lot of fantastic attributes. He's a big lad. He's quick. He's strong. He's good with his feet and and he's happy to carry the ball in dangerous situations and he can relieve a lot of pressure by carrying the ball 20, 30 yards through midfield. Great. You cannot put him in a midfield two with another forward-thinking player. The goal against Manchester United. Sumare, he did the right thing eventually in trying to tell Johnny Evans to stay in and that he would go over to Fernandez. But there's your difference in, in, in quality. Fernandez has had a couple of looks over his shoulder. He's thought, right, if I trot five to ten yards out of a central position here, nobody's coming with me. I'm not saying Samari should have gone all the way because then he would have left the entirety of the centre of the pitch completely vacant. But if he takes even two or three steps to half cover that Fernandez move, he can get tighter to him quicker. Evans never feels compelled to step out of the defence and the goal doesn't happen. And it's that awareness in central midfield that I think somebody like Mendy would bring if you're insisting on playing Ndidi at centre-back. These are the decisions that seem painfully obvious to me and I know that they are painfully obvious to thousands of other Leicester supporters and the refusal to see them or do anything about them I think is is what's getting people's backs up and is and is really pushing me towards the the uh, uh, it's time for Rogers to leave end of the spectrum it's it's plainly obvious isn't it it's it's a guy who's who's a game and and his plan has worked for the majority of of his time at Leicester. You mentioned about making like big decisions, or or almost he's never. I don't think he's a guy who will say something just to keep the players on side. I think he has his his way about things, but he's a very much a a, a people person by the looks of it. The way he came in and and got a hold of Vardy and Schmeichel and Yuri Tillemans and kind of said like, right, this is the core group. And and made friends very quickly, Morgan as well, and got the players on his side. Got and that's absolutely correct. That's exactly what he wants. And then you can ride the crest of any wave going forward. But when it comes to annoying players, dropping players, um, selling players, it's it seems to be something that. And and I'm talking about the the, the main players here. And you can always have squad players who who can leave or be dropped, but. 
I think that's where he kind of lacks um, making those big decisions. I know Vardy was on the bench, but it's it's it's, it's his stubbornness to carry on the way he, that he knows, which is 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 commendable in many ways because you if you that's the way you you've done and and that's the way you've won and that's the way you've won trophies then then fine but at Leicester at the moment it needs the change the the, the fullbacks was it was unbelievable the amount of space that Brighton had between the midfield and the and our defense and then the midfield and especially out wide Justin's looked a shadow of a player really from last season and um and Luke Thomas has almost has just basically looked like he's making his debut all over again um there's been some there's been plenty of errors with the players so so Rogers kind of to one side now um because I think we kind of agree on on that but with with the the players themselves just woefully short of confidence. Madison dropping back so deep, it was unbelievable. And then giving the ball away, trying to start something. You don't mind if he tries to make those passes when he's at the other end of the field and it doesn't quite work out. Because bang, when it does, like Tielemans' pass, in goal, there you go. But when he's dropping so deep, what was he doing dropping that deep? There's a team and a player not entirely sure what he's doing. And if he's going completely against the managers, what the managers told him and the, and, the, and the staff have told him, then that's a problem then between the communication between the the staff and the player. But he's picking the ball off Johnny Evans's feet, just yards from his own penalty area. Shouldn't be there. Not in that formation as well. Surely he's the link link from midfield to the forward line. Uh, the fullbacks way too high up. How they weren't dropped back, as you said. Um, Ala Ranieri style, having them not go over the halfway line, just holding play up for a bit, you know, being very solid, no idea. Uh, and then, and then I've mentioned the goalkeeper already. It was just a, a real shocker. He's always going to be a shop stopper. He's a Premier League goalkeeper, but no, it, it needs to change, and um, and it needs to change pretty quickly because we're we are rock bottom. You can be bottom of, the, of a league and you win and be four places higher and out of a relegation zone that's not the case football moves quick if you stand still you're going backwards in the Premier League we've stood still or actually gone backwards ourselves. and look at us we're bottom of the Premier League now there's going to be no talk about anything to do with going down or anything it's it is too way too early to get involved there but this complete collapse of the first team which it is really um, of all aspects, it needs to stop. Now, we can turn up against Villa, who are a very strange side. They've got some great players there, and individually, if they turn up and do something, then they can beat anyone in the Premier League. That was a great result against Man City. Fantastic. But also, on the flip side, they're a team you can get at. And, I, again, I, look, I just look at the Leicester side and go, there's no reason why we can't beat that Villa side at home. Now, I've got Ward in goal in my fancy team, right? Because I need, I've need i only got a small amount of money for that area. There's no way, absolutely no way, that anyone with a right mind can say that Leicester potentially might keep a clean sheet in a Premier League match. They could be playing Bournemouth at home or 
the worst team that you can think of right now, maybe not Bournemouth. And you would still fancy the opposition to score probably a couple at least. There's no way Leicester can keep a clean sheet. So they're going to have to score goals. Whether that's the reason why Rodgers went the way he did at Brighton, going, look, let's just go and try and score with more than they did. Um, against a Villa side, I'd, I just don't think that's the case. I don't think he can do that because they've got players who can hurt. And I, I'll mention it again. Imagine if they score in the first 10 minutes. What's it going to be like? Because that King Power crowd will turn. It virtually has done, but it, it will do. And this will probably be the game if it does go badly for Leicester. Um, this is where it's going to really, really turn. And then he'll have to go after that. Now, financially-wise, it's going to be obviously a big payoff, etc. Who knows whether there could be a deal with, say, a Brighton. You know, they could come in and go, look, we'll have him, but we'll pay half of what this, that and the other. Who knows? Um, now... <laughs> The players obviously have to take a lot of blame, um, but they're the players we've got. They're not playing very well, and we know, because we've seen them for years, play an awful lot better. So there needs to be a real change. I know, Rob, we could stand there and go like, okay, who who do you want? But um, And we could list any name under the sun. And let's put it right, there could be the next... Who saw Ranieri come in? Okay, Puel, etc. Who saw that? Uh, even Brendan when he turned up. So they could employ someone. They could go to Sassuolo and get their manager. They could go to Eastern Europe and get a manager. They could go to America and get a manager that we've not even thought of. Maybe not even heard of. But what kind of manager slash who at this stage would you just give a, a, a mention to? Well, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's just uh, resigned from the Burton hey. job. So, <laughs> uh, you know what? There, you, like you say, there, there, there are thousands of names. Uh, it could be a manager in a job, could be a manager out of a job, could be a manager that we've never heard of. We do our research on, we look at the way he plays and we go, actually, yeah, it could be a good fit that, that you don't even know about. Uh, you know, put, put me on the spot here because I've only literally in the last, I don't know, 24, 48 hours, come round to the fact that I am now saying out loud, yeah, Brett, I think it's time for Brendan Rodgers to go. As I said earlier, I'm a big believer in, in time at the club. Um, but so, so so I've not really thought about potential replacements. I've, I've tried not to. I've tried to, to keep the faith in Brendan, if you like. But if I'm looking right now at a squad that needs to get better at defending, a squad that is not going to be uh, enhanced with big money signings anytime soon. A squad that needs to get back to the basics of working hard for each other and grinding out results. There's a man out of a job who did such a good job uh, up in Lancashire that he got a pub named after him. And I'm thinking from your cryptic hints earlier that you (laughs) may have been going along the lines of the same bloke. Yeah, it's if you said to me, it, let's just say Brendan left at the end of the season, which you know ultimately should really have happened probably. But um, or maybe during the summer, you know, it, it, all of a sudden this is the budget comes back off his two week break in Mallorca, and he he comes back and they say, look, we've got no money to spend. We've got to wait until we sell players. This is not what I thought. And then they agreed to part ways. 
if that was the case and Leicester need a new manager and everyone went, what a great job he's done, great. He he leaves saying everyone's fantastic, brilliant. And there was a list of managers available and there was odds, etc. And Sean Dyche would obviously have been quite high up on the list in terms of the bookmakers, etc. I wouldn't have been in favour of Sean Dyche coming to Leicester at that time. Uh, it, it kind of goes against what I think Leicester kind of what probably they needed at the time. It goes against uh, the the style of football that they're currently playing or were playing. So that would have been a bit of a question mark for me, really, again, at the time. But things have changed. And I think Daesh fits exactly what we need at this current time. He is available. He can shore up that defence. He can go back to basics and who knows, he could be, if Leicester get back on an even keel and go forward, he could be a manager who we know for a start can be at a club for a long time and it's the chance to go further than you ever would with Burnley who finished in the top half of the table on numerous occasions, I think even played in Europe. So, uh, yeah, I, I just at the moment can't see another alternative who would be, again ticking the boxes of what we need and it's all to do with that defence for me um, and also I think he would come in and straight away grab hold of Avardi and at Yuri Tillemans and do what Brendan did at the beginning and say look you're you're my lads you know that you're the don't worry about it you're the first team you're the the main guys here I need your help um, but I think when it and also with with Johnny Evans I'd imagine he'd quite like someone like him coming in but I think he would grab those players and go, right, who do you want next? Johnny, who do you want to play next to you? Do you want Big Yannick to come in? Yes, I do. You know, I know it's not quite worked out for him. And don't get me wrong, everyone listening to this. I, I'm not thinking that he's the silver bullet, Yannick Vestergaard. He's the key to the kingdom. Uh, but the, it, I'm just using him as an example that could be used on any side of that pitch in any position. Um, he could, yeah. I want, I want him to play. I know it's not quite worked out at the moment, but well, we can do this. And you, great, right? He's in. Um, Big Wolf, you get back in midfield. St- stand next to Yori Tillemans as a midfield two, and play like the midfield two, which finished fifth twice. And you've got JV up top with Kelechi and Acho and 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 Pats and Daka. By the way, Jamie, you're not going to play every single game. And you're going to be on the bench occasionally. You'll probably come off after now, whatever. And these two, we're going to play two up top. So you and Kelechi up top. Now he might not come in and say four four two, which is you know he's not going to be Mike Bassett, but it's kind of what we need right now, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, I, I I think that's the way forward. I think people out there looking at um, at the likes of say a Pochettino, except no, that's he, never in a million years. He was at. PSG not long ago and he was rumoured to be going all sorts of places I think Poch is going to wait for a club that's either got big six written over him or a Newcastle or if not it's one of the big boys all the way throughout Europe there's no way he's coming to Leicester no it would be great don't get me wrong he would be an ideal number one choice but never in a million years is that happening so let's just put that out there and put a line through that name i i just again if there's anyone out the only other person i can think of again instead of not listing every single manager under the sun who i'd like um 
Another one would be Bielsa. Now, whether he'd want that, whether he'd want Leicester, I don't know. But the way he plays football, first of all, the energy, that's exactly what we could do with. Um, the setup of the side, the the hassling, the harrying, the closing down. Uh, yes, I that I would love that. We know what he's like. Um, immensely quirky, but a very successful manager. Uh, that could easily work. And that would be a very, very exciting slash hold on to your hats appointment. But it's dice for me. I think the back to basics of those two managers really is is the reason that they're the ones coming to mind at the moment, aren't they? The if you can't you can't all of a sudden say to another player, "All right, come on, lift your head up. You've got to be more confident." That's not going to work, is it? the The players have got to have a a focus, and they for, for me going right back to the basics of you've got to outrun the other team is definitely going to put you in with a chance of competing in the Premier League especially when you've got players like we've got if you if you, if you come in and all you demand from them at the, the at that moment in time is right this is your job this is your this is these are your roles and responsibilities you win your individual battle and look if if a flick or a trick or a or a tricky forward pass comes off every now and again great if not, you get your head down, you get back into position and you do your job over and over again. Sean Dyche, Marcelo Bielsa, managers like that, they're the kind of ones that are going to demand it. Brendan Rodgers, whether he does demand it or not, is not effectively doing so at the moment. And it's almost like he's been a bit too much of a nice guy. He comes out and he says all oh, the players aren't confident and then he says, it's my job to lift their confidence. Well, is telling everyone they're not confident really helping their confidence? Mm, don't know. He comes out and he's saying for somebody like Suyuncu, he's performing badly in training. That may well be true, but does he need you telling the entire world that? Probably not. So he needs he needs saying, right, look, this is this is you. Get on the training ground. Show me this. Show me that. You're at the club. You might as well. And... You know, and, and, and get on with it. Now, Sean Dyche might, in some people's opinions, have their limit, have his limitations. And when I first thought of his name earlier, I was like, mm, it's not the most inspiring choice in terms of the dreams that every football fan wants to have, but, but particularly Leicester fans, because they've been fueled by recent success. Is Sean Dyche the man to do what we've been asking Leicester to do for the last few seasons? and really try and upset the top six and get ourselves into European places. My answer to that is why not? Because he's never had the opportunity to manage players of the quality that Leicester City currently have in their squad. I'm not talking about form, I'm talking about individual ability at this moment in time. So let's say he comes in, steadies things, gives Leicester a defined shape, gives each player a defined role, one that they are able to fully carry out rather than the square pegs, round holes, whichever way around you want to put it, uh, that Rodgers seems to have been employing recently. And then, as they've got this this structure, then he says, right, all right, Yuri, try and play a little bit if you can. You've got Wilf there for you. You've probably got in a Sean Dyche side at the moment looking at Leicester City's squad. You've probably got Mark Albrighton playing right wing. 
if he notices that Tielemans has just spotted a little gap and he can sneak in there or or he, fa- he fancies trying something a little bit um, more sort of incisive with his pass, all Brighton's naturally going to tuck in. Or Vardy or Dakar are intelligent enough to start peeling off into a channel because they can see Tielemans is advancing with the ball. I don't think that Deitch is going to is going to restrict the flair of and, and and the attacking quality of the team. What he's what he's going to do from from what I've seen him do before is give it structure, is set the minimum bar for for every player for every game, ensure that they meet that, ensure that they do what they got to do for the team. And then to be quite honest with you, if Leicester are a solid unit like that, who are not getting beaten very easily in 1v1s or in group situations, who are keeping their shape, then it is quite conceivable that you can win games with moments of individual brilliance from Leicester City footballers because there are players who are 100% capable of getting Leicester into the top eight. No No question in my mind, no doubt in my mind whatsoever. They've all just kind of lost their way. And if everybody's pulling back in the same direction with basically like a military leader like Sean Dyche or Bielsa or somebody like that, then I think the rest of the football almost takes care of itself. It's almost like saying, right, we'll do this, this and this. And I'm not saying just make it up in the final third. Obviously, you're going to work on on, on certain patterns of play. and, and But these players know each other really well. If we're talking about this being virtually the same team that's been together two, three years, then Vardy's going to know what kind of pass Tielemans is capable of and, and in which situation he's going to be able to find him. And he's going to make the runs accordingly. So does Sean Dyche even need to do anything? Does a manager need to teach that? Or is a manager's first job not to get beaten? In this current situation with Leicester bottom of the league... I'm not saying we're in a relegation battle. I don't believe that at all. I think um, regardless of who's the manager and what the what the structure is, I still think Leicester have got too much quality to, to be relegated. But it needs... <laughs> well, clip that I know, up. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Clip that. Keep that in the bank for <laughs> for next spring, next summer. But, you know, if, if you just go out there and not to get beaten, even if you draw three games nil-nil in a row, at least you're going, all right, we've 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 plugged the leak. There's no leak anymore. We're feeling a little bit more sure of ourselves. We're starting to believe in each other again. Let's try this. And also, one more thing on Deitch before, before I shut up and let, and let you get a word in. He, yes, stuck more most frequently to a 4-4-2. But... He didn't always feel the need to play actual wingers all the time. You look at someone like Josh Brownhill, for example, central midfielder, played a lot of his football um, on the right-hand side of, of midfield. It's more like a right midfielder than a right winger because if you drill him into that position and he knows his job inside out, then he can be effective there. And we've got some, when they're when they're on form, as everybody in the squad, we've got some decent fullbacks who can probably go around the outside a little bit. So, you, if you're looking for a bit of balance, then maybe you play Dewsby Hall on the left side of a midfield four. I'm not saying as an out and out touchline hugging left winger, but as a left sided midfielder. And then you, I know Barnes t- typically likes to play down the down the left, but you pull him across for a bit of balance on the right hand side, and then you've got a left sided midfielder 
with a left foot. You've got a right-sided right winger with a right foot. And then you've got your Adidi and your Tielemans in the middle. And then I think, really, you could start to make things a bit more flexible if you wanted to include Madison by playing Madison with a striker and then saying, all right, if Harvey Barnes is going up to join that as the third man, then Dewsby Hall tucks in and then you've still got a midfield three there and we're not leaving things too exposed. I just think there has to be a bit more rigidity to the structure to start with to then loosen things up and free things up again afterwards. Many clubs will look back at the pandemic obviously we're talking just football here as um as a kind of moment where you know some clubs uh really suffered through it some some didn't uh, some just kind of stay stay the same but with Leicester there's you look back at the game against Villa the last game you remember on that Monday night Leicester 4-0 um before the world stopped essentially wasn't it um just give you the team Schmeichel in goal Pereira, Evans, Soyuncu, Justin at the back. Um, and then you've got the midfield, all brides on one side, Pratt and Didi, and then Barnes with Madison just behind uh, Ian Acho. And then Vardy came on, scored a couple. Tielemans came on for Pratt. Uh, Mendy came on for Ndidi. So, you know, kind of light for light swaps with the three subs. Not too different to what you would have here. Uh, I mean, looking at it, obviously Schmeichel's gone. And the rest are still here, including Mendy, including Tielemans, including Vardy, who came on. Uh, substitutes include Ward, Perez, uh, and then players retiring. So, you know, Morgan Fuchs, etc., who have left. So, it is the same squad, the same size. And and then, would we have gone on to finish fourth or higher? Yes, is the answer, if obviously that didn't happen, but it did. But I'm just looking back at that game. First of all, Villa's side was dreadful just going through their team. But um, it's it's just when he says about it's the same team. And I know I, I mentioned if you stand still, you're going backwards. But if you've got a first team, first 15, first 14 players, as good as that and playing as good as that, there has to be some serious question marks ad, uh, asked about the director of football and the buy-in of of players at Leicester because surely with that settled team settled first 15 or 16 players the opportunity then to bring in first team players was there you bring in players who are only going to be at the first team level not squad fillers just that level now I know a couple of players retiring you're going to have to kind of fill those spots but you've got players coming through who can more than likely do that the likes of Jewsby Hall etc but that really kind of just shines a light on how poorly Leicester have bought in the last number of years. Um, so yeah, Dash back, yeah, just just fits every bill really, and I think I think the players would appreciate it. And also, it needs to be kind of a yes from the manager. Surely, if they come knocking for Dash, he says yes straight away. I can't see that being a problem at all. Um, but we will see. Rob, we will see what happens against Villa on Saturday. <laughs> to try, it's how how on earth you could try and preview the game. Absolutely no idea. God knows what's going to happen in terms of team selection. Does he stick indeed at the back? Does he move him back? I, I can't for one reason see how you would play him at the back. I, I don't know. In fact, let's go back to number one. Who's going to be the number one? If if you're going to drop Ward or if the manager 
even though he might think he's not going to be there, if the manager thinks that he might be making a change at some point in the not-too-distant future with the number one, do it now. This is the game to do it. Um, the back line, surely, against this Villa side, who, yes, on their day they can be all right, but still have underperformed this season. You're playing at home. You bring in. Maybe you you, you put your arm around Yannick Vestergaard or a Soyan tree if he's still there and say, look, we haven't played this season so far. Did I? Need you on Saturday. You're in. Go and, go and get your first team spot. And they comes in alongside Johnny Evans. The fullbacks stay the same. Or you bring in Castagna at the back alongside uh, Justin on the other side. And then you play a rigid formation. And you play the Leicester way and say, go and do it. And knowing that you're going to go if it goes horribly wrong. And if it goes horribly wrong and the players make complete um, messes on occasion, you know, real laps of defending or horrible errors by the goalkeeper or whatever that lead to goals that ultimately Villa win 3-0, then yes, you go and there you go. But at least you tried something. At least there was a change and a, a, a way back to a, a normal way or a normal side that Leicester would put out. And even the crowd, even though it will be toxic, but even the crowd might turn around and go, well, at least there were changes made, but it's not worked out. There you go, job done. But you can't just go down that same route over and over and over again because it's not working and it won't work. And if it doesn't work, he'll be gone and he'll be out of work, but he'll be <laughs> he'll be very well wealthy with it. So that's what I would do against Villa. You mentioned Albrighton. It was a, I mean, when, when he was appointed um, the vice captain, it was like, okay, yeah, you can see that. But he's just not figured at all, first team wise. I don't. I know he's happy at the club and all that, but it's it's very very strange the way that the first team squad has been used this this season so far has been just weird to be honest. Really, really weird. The Pratt situation as well, very very odd. But it's what we've got. It's who we are, and it's what we've got coming up this weekend. I don't know whether you have any ideas, Rob, about this. I, for me, again, just putting my hat on, I would change the goalkeeper. I'd bring in Vestergaard or Soyuncu at the back. I'd bring in, if he if he's fell out with Soyuncu and he's not performing in training, then that's obviously something that you can't um, you can't just kind of forgive overnight. So it would be Vestergaard then. But if it's Soyuncu, fine. You've got to bring him in. Got to alongside Evans again. The other two at the back. I've said who they would be. And I would just go back to a very... If it brings in Albrighton from the start, fine. No problem at all. Barnes the other side. Midfield two. If you're going to play... Um, I'd, I'd play Ndidi and I'd play um, Yuri Tillemans in the centre. And then the forward two would be Kletchi, Nacho and Jamie Vardy. That's what I would do. Yes, Madison's not in the team. Yes, Dewsbury Hall's not in the team. But that's the way I would go about things from minute one. Knowing... That you have five subs. Knowing you can make a substitution at halftime. You'll have, what, three windows of opportunity or whatever to make subs. You can bring on a James Madison. That's fine. Or if you want to play Madison just behind a Vardy, that's fine. Instead of in Kletchi and Acho. But as a very forward-thinking player, no problem at all. But be creative. Be um, sensible with your lineup. But when it things aren't working... You can make like-for-like like changes. It doesn't have to be bringing on a player to change the whole formation. If indeed he's had a, a, a bad first half, take him off and bring a, a, a Mendy on or bring Samare on. Do that or bring Dennis Pratt on if they haven't got 
a large midfield. We could bring Pratt on. If Barnes is not playing well, then you can, again, change the formation if you want to or bring another. If Vardy's not playing, you sub him and bring someone else on. That's fine. If Soyuncu has a complete disaster or Yannick Vestergaard has had a nightmare first half, take him off and bring Soyuncu on at halftime. Make those decisions. It should have been like that this season, but it's now or never. So you might as well. It That's what fans want to see. There's no use. I mean, the subs against Man U were a disgrace, really, wasn't it? Losing 1-0 at home and having the lack of lack of fights really on the field it needed a change and if it wasn't happening with the team out there and if it wasn't happening because the manager wasn't gene them up from the touchline which wasn't really happening but it shouldn't take that but it, at least it need you need to see it and if he's doing that from the touchline and it wasn't being replicated by the performance on the field drag them off and change them use them but no not at all so that's what i would do that's what i want to see and again, if it all falls over and they lose 3-0, cheerio, you've had a brilliant time at Leicester, you've won trophies, you've won the Community Shield, you've won the FA Cup, very unlucky in the league on those two occasions, playing some of the best football we've ever seen. Thanks, but it's, it needs to change. If he turns it around and we beat Villa and we go on a little run and we start to rescue the situation and players come back into the fold and players that we've know can play immensely more better than they are at the moment exponentially more and they hit form great fine and he's the manager fine and it, and we look back in a couple of months time and go my god was he close to being sacked and he even makes a joke of it maybe and says that wasn't a good start were it but now we're ninth in the league tenth in the league and we've won a nice run but you know here we go this is the real Leicester fine no problem but I think it's probably going to go the other way. Yeah, I'd love to be proved wrong. I'd love this podcast to be null and void because that would mean that Leicester are on on the uh, on the up. It would mean that we haven't had to pay X amount of million pounds in compensation to to Rogers for sacking him. Uh, it would mean that our excellent squad of players had started to find form again, and it would mean that we're no longer looking over our shoulder at the 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 vast emptiness that is the Championship below. Uh, I, I sitting here on the podcast and saying I think it's time for Rogers to go it means that you and I don't necessarily believe that. Um, I can't see him doing anything that we've said on this podcast in terms of going back to basics, in terms of trying to shut up shop a little bit. Um, I can't see that happening. I, I said a few podcasts ago, my opinion has changed very quickly this season. I appreciate that. Um that I wouldn't at that stage have dropped Danny Ward for for Daniel Everson because Rogers had backed Ward, given him the number one shirt, and and if you drop him, and Everson comes in and has an absolute mare and realizes actually no, he just had a good time at Preston, he's not actually that good a goalkeeper, then what does that do to Danny Ward's confidence when you say all right, can you come back in because the guy we thought might be better than you is not better than you, so come back in and try and be better. It's. It, it, I don't think. I think once you once you drop a goalkeeper in this current situation, you've got to know that the other one is is going to be better. Let's be perfectly honest with you. He can't do an awful lot worse. I don't think the the situation around the team is helping Danny Ward. It's not helping anybody because nobody's performing to to the levels that they can. But he looks awfully exposed. And and at least what Everson will bring. Is I know he's not young, young, but he'll bring 
uh, a bit of sort of earlier on in his career uh, sort of not not necessarily excitement. You don't want your goalkeepers to be excited, but he's he's going to give it everything, isn't he? I'm not saying Danny he's, Ward. He's, he's surely going to give it everything. Yeah, but I'm not saying I'm, Danny Ward's just... cruising, but Daniel Everson's no. going to come in. He is going to be so sharply focused because he's going to be like, look, I've had a little taste of, inter- yeah. of being part of an international squad. I've been promoted to number two goalkeeper here at, at Leicester, and now I've got my opportunity. I show what I do in the next couple of games. That number one shirt's mine. Uh, and then it's mine to lose. So, you know, positive, put a bit of positive pressure on himself uh, and get himself in the team. I forgot about I forgot about our new signing. <laughs> I forgot about the defender. Well, yeah, then, therefore um, you don't need to back. put Vestergaard or Soyuncu in, do you? Yeah. Yeah, I I I, for, I forgot about um I forgot about it. So he he obviously then comes yeah. in if he's if his visa is accepted because obviously it takes a long time now to to get from the continent to um to Britain and work, you know, and vice versa. So it, that obviously that didn't work out, even though it was still what days beforehand. There you go. But um, yeah, so obviously he comes in. But again, at least it's someone coming into that position. Yeah. Um, last thing I'll say on the Villa game is I think they've got goals in them, but we've also got goals in us. So get uh, get your betting apps open, folks. Here's a top tip: four four. That's what I'm going for. Four four, not the uh, not the first four four between Leicester and Villa, um, but uh, yeah, it's just I agree. Goals written all over it. Volt coming in, uh, who knows? Maybe in a back three. Maybe he's uh, adept in playing in the back three, and then they can play another one either side. You know, who knows? Um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he's a massive personality and it rubs off on that defense and he grabs hold of them. Um, the Belgian angle continues. You could have Dennis Pratt. You could then have Yuri Tillemans in as well, along with Castagna, those four. Um, yeah. Now, scoreline, Rob, probably the most difficult game we've ever kind of, we've ever predicted, really, um, or one of them. Um, I've generally got no idea. It could be 3-0 Villa. It could be... 3-0 Leicester. It, it, both you can see. Well, 3-1. We're going to keep a clean sheet, are we? I'm going to go... Oh, my God. I'm going to go 3-2 Leicester. But, in brackets, 3-0 Villa. <laughs> Why don't you just go 3-3? No, no, no. You, you want um, the Brendan Rodgers revolution to begin, don't you? I I think I I'd love it. I'd absolutely love it. Uh, in the words of Kevin Keegan, if we win and it starts a massive upturn in form, and Brendan stays, that would be great. And we look back and go massive problems in the transfer market, you know, and there was upheaval, and he thought, I and 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 then in six months' time, like I said, he, he sits down and does an interview with with who knows, Radio Leicester or whatever, and goes, do you know what? I really thought about leaving. I th- and, and I knew I was one game away from the sack. Terrible start, but we got the team together. There was a few hard words spoken, and we've gone on a brilliant run, and here we are. And I'm I, I'm loving it. I've always liked it here at Leicester, which you get that impression he always has. The facilities, the, the grounds being built up and all that. Oh, yeah, that that's all going to go through, hopefully, next week with the council. Three meet was it third meeting that the three meetings were postponed. Top saying that um, they expected work being done now, yet it's been delayed by the council, who have never been on Leicester City's side in anything. 
if if there's one thing in a city like Leicester, if there's a massive redevelopment of the area around the ground and it needs the council say so, etc., etc., don't delay the meeting three times and put it back probably about a year or or a football season because that's what's happened. Why? My, I know there's a million and twelve things happening, especially with after the last few years. But Mark, surely this is the one thing you've got to be proud. Be the people who wave the flags and say, "Look what we've pushed through quickly." Anything the club, not within reason, but if whatever they want is is fine by us. And we've done this really quick. And let's say thanks to the council, whoever they are, etc. You've done really well here. That's just an open goal for them. But no. Three delays, six to whatever months delay, crazy, absolutely crackers. Reading an article only a few minutes ago, it seems like the early indication is everything's going to be fine. So next Wednesday, I believe it is, hopefully that gets pushed through. And Brendan could be sat there behind with the the building work going on behind him, saying, look at this, I'm here for the ultra long haul. This is all happening behind us. We've got Plans in the transfer window, the finances, yes, over the last few years, etc. But with the money we've saved, we've got from Fafana, etc. And we're going to be fine. You never know. Who knows? But that's why I'm going 3-2 Leicester brackets, 3-0 Villa.